Welcome back, creeps. Hey, y'all. We're not endorsing products <laughs> like this delightful Mothman plushie. <laughs> and the pants monster, the Fresno the crawler. Fresno nightcrawler plushie. <laughs> we are back. Oh, wait, I'm not even talking into the microphone. That's how long it's been. We're I using forgot. these as cake top or cake toppers, tree toppers right now. They're adorable. It's been about a month, I think. Since we started uh, or since we last recorded. And in that month, yeah, we have this deal with the 16% nation. I'm going to leave the link um, in the thing below, in the description below or in the video or I don't know, on Instagram and stuff like that. Check out our link tree. They are really cool. So if you have any weirdos in your life, like I think they make like really nice stocking fillers. Uh, full disclosure, we do get like a few dollars. Oh, we don't do? like, yeah, I don't actually know how much. Oh. Um when you use our code. Yeah, when you use our code, using our link as well, I think. So use oh, the link cool. in the thing. And then use the code free creep. Free creep? Yeah, and you get oh, cool. free shipping. Oh sick. Yeah, so you get free shipping, we get I don't know, I think like a few dollars from every sale or something like that. Mm. Honestly don't know. I just thought that they looked really cool. They also do really cool t-shirts, which I was wearing the last time Yeah, we recorded. I wanted to make some mention on the structure of the items because, you know, for some people, like, it, it it's helpful to normal know a little more details. And they're awesome. Yeah. Um. So maybe this will help you make a, a purchasing decision if you are in the market for cryptids to cuddle with. <laughs> but for example... Um, the Pants Monster, I lovingly like to call the Pants Monster, yeah. uh, Fresno Nightcrawler. He is very, very stuffed. And you can tell like the, the fabric is very taut over the stuffing inside. And I don't feel, I feel like the stitching, but it's very uh, thick and it feels sturdy. Um, it doesn't have a lot of, it doesn't have too much give, like I can't manipulate it too much. It's a little stiff and it's probably because I haven't been cuddling with it. Like I said, we've been using it as tree toppers and these little guys feel secure even if they're, uh, they're nestled on top of fabric. I think they might be sewn in. Um, but yeah, so that's that guy and the, the fabric is very soft, like this actually feels like but shag. It doesn't come off in your hands. It doesn't come off in your off. hands. It's like a shaggy little feel. And this guy um, like texturally feels the same as a Fresno. Nightcrawler. I like this detail that the little wings are bigger than the body. It's just something very charming about it. Like he's growing into his wings. Well, what I actually like about this Mothman is that it's more accurate than most depictions of Mothman. Like most mm. depictions of Mothman are like a man mm -hmm. with wings. Mm -hmm. But he was never described like that. Yeah. It was always like you know, six foot wingspan and about the height. Of my... Anyway, it's very cool. Yeah. Cute little uh, buttons. I'll have like some B-roll in here of this stuff. Yeah. I love that they chose uh, buttons to make. The eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No, really in fairness, cute. they are like, it's all cryptid stuff, but it's also fucking. Yeah. Like, it's really cute. And yeah. uh, they don't feel like the crap that comes out of the claw machine. Yeah, they're very, very well made. Yeah, so follow the link in the description and use our code FREECREEP. Now, sorry to start off 
bombarding you with stuff like that. But I really wanted to get that because we've been waiting. We got when we recorded last time, I had the T-shirt and we were saying, oh, next time we record, we'll have the the actual the plushies as well. Yeah. And then we went to Colorado. We did. And then we got sick in Colorado we and we had to so take like a week sick. off and then it was Thanksgiving. So we are only now just getting back to recording and these have been sitting on top of our little miniature Christmas trees yeah. for a couple of weeks now. They were great as Christmas tree toppers. Yeah, it really does. Uh, we can upload pictures if you guys want to see them as Christmas tree toppers. Yeah. I have like, there's three baby trees here. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm good. How was your trip to Colorado? It was great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was like being in Estes Park is like being inside of a Hallmark movie. If you've ever, if you've ever seen one, um, it is surreal in that way. It's a very small, quaint town, and it just—it's like a stark difference between the town itself and like the Stanley Hotel. Do you think? I think so. I feel like, I mean, because it's big and white and like, it's just, oh, really? it's one of the, it's one of the first things that I noticed when we were driving in, I looked at it and I'm like, I think that's a Stanley. And you're like, oh, I think it is. It's the, it's the whitest fucking <laughs> building. <laughs> Everything looks like very like homely and like charming and, you know, mom and pop. And then there's like this looming presence of the stanley yeah i think gaudy actually might be the word for it is it uh in my I, opinion I like kind of over gaudy. the top fancy like no when i think gaudy like the connotation it brings to mind is like uh a, a greasy club owner that has a half open <laughs> shirt with tons of huge gold rings on his on his knuckles that underneath those rings is turning the skin green that's what Gotti calls to me. But I, I wouldn't call this Stanley Gotti. All right. Well, either way, we have a video up on our other YouTube channel. I'll also link that below if I remember. Um, Actually, a lot of people watch that. Like oh, yeah. a lot of people for us. It was like 90 something people. Um, But yeah, it's just a little almost like we make like home movies basically over there. Yeah, it's fun. But yeah, it was really, really like breathtaking scenery and yeah. Apparently the Italian place that we had dinner is a popular spot for people to go to. It's like, oh, it's the best Italian food I've ever had. And yeah. we're so happy that we like spotted it and ate there. Well, I mean, like, so the whole park, because it's not a skiing village or a skiing resort or whatever, like its main business is tourism mm -hmm. and the Stanley Hotel itself provides like I think 90% of that tourism because mm. people who aren't staying there are visiting there. Yeah. So if you know like what I mean? We so yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they have a tarot card. I do. Um, if you want any more details on our trip, please watch the video. So <laughs> I'm just saying like it, it just our trip encompassed so much more than these meager details that we just provided yeah but i didn't want to spoil we're about to start talking some more about it right so i wanted to read uh -huh. the tarot card before i forget okay so the tarot card of the day is the four of swords and today's message calm your mind today take time to let your thoughts settle and your ideas mature 
taking time to relax and rejuvenate now will help you focus and stay motivated in in the days to come. While you may feel too busy to take a break, remember that insights often occur when our minds are relaxed and open for those aha moments. Did I actually say that? No. Oh. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. It just came to me because my mind was relaxed and open. Yeah. My mind is the opposite. Okay. So, yeah. Spoiler alert. Today we are talking about the Stanley Hotel because... <laughs> it was a big bucket listing for These us. Guns I feel are like. dangerous, wasn't it? What? <laughs> <laughs> I said like going to the Stanley Hotel was like a big bucket list thing for us. Huge! It's crazy because like as we as I was there with you, it felt like I really wasn't there. Yeah, and I tried my best to stay present, and I was. I feel like I was. Because I wasn't thinking of anything else. But it was almost too much to take in. like Maybe, because now like it's really settling in now that we're not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, anyway, we'll just get into it. Because, like I said, like everything about the, th- the whole experience was like kind of breathtaking. It was... It didn't seem real. Yeah, there was like that sense of childlike wonder. Yeah. That like blind boy talks about. I fe- felt like I was in that. Yeah. The entire time I was there because everything from like the car that we rented was a car that's like pretty high up on my list that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, And we didn't actually rent that one. Like we just got upgraded because they had nothing else. Uh, And then when we actually started driving, I was like, holy shit, like I we are in the Rocky Mountains right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And then we get there and it's like holy shit, this is the hotel from the movie and like Dumb and Dumber and stuff like that. And then it was like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. We're actually here to see Amigo the Devil. Yeah. Our favorite, one of our very favorite bands. I touched him. We'll say touched them. Yeah, Danny from Amigo the Devil, that is. And and the whole town was full of freaks and weirdos who were all there to see Amigo the Devil. So everybody was friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which was just trippy in itself. Like, yeah, like I actually uh, even just on on the airport shuttle when I dropped the car back because I brought the car back a day early and then we I met you back up in Denver. And like even on the shuttle, like there was these two pretty like this pretty big dude and his wife and like head tattoos and everything like pretty t- intimidating looking people. But I was like, ah, amigo the devil. And then we all just had a ca- uh, casual conversation. Like we were friends for a very long time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It was lovely. So anyway, today we're talking about the legendary Stanley Hotel. The hotel that is synonymous with Stephen King and of course The Shining. Now I feel like we say this every other episode, but if it wasn't for Stephen King, we probably wouldn't be, t- we definitely wouldn't be together. We wouldn't be together, no. So here's a direct quote from Britannica.com, of all places. King was inspired to write The Shining after staying a night at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. In late September 1974, King and his wife, Tabitha, checked into what King described as a grand old hotel. Notably, the Kings stayed in room 217. 
King recalled that he and his wife were the only guests staying at the hotel. It was set to close for the winter season the very next day. While exploring its hallways, King thought to himself the hotel seemed the perfect setting for a ghost story. That night, he said, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of the bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair, looking out the windows at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of The Shining firmly set in my mind. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it is. Like, it's it's really cool. And like, you know, I'll put a picture here of us standing in front of room 217 and stuff. That was a good picture. It actually was, yeah. Yeah. So I that, was in the tub. <coughs> you were, yeah. They So in the Shining set mm. that they have built, you were in the tub. I was in like the green the tub. Like the naked old lady. The seafoam green tub. Yeah. We were definitely those two annoying people though as well that like had all the answers on the tour. They're like, <laughs> does anybody know how long? And like, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and actually, I'm not going to talk bad about the tours. The tours were lovely and like fun. Yeah. But I didn't learn anything new, <laughs> you know what I mean? I and, did. Like, did it, you? Okay. it was like, uh, obviously you knew a lot because you were um, studying for this story. Yeah. I so suppose, it yeah. was like perfect timing that you were like, <laughs> they'd ask all those questions that they usually don't get answers to. And you knew the answers. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, that's right. My husband's a nerd. And yeah, so it just like, happens to have like a 4,000 word fucking episode. Ready, <laughs> so. Yeah. Like I was beaming with pride. And uh, it's funny. Like, like I'm not even being sarcastic. Like I was, I was very proud. But like the only answer I knew, she was like, uh, what's the classic color that uh, Kubrick wanted to use for his film? Because any, can anybody tell me what color this is? And I'm like, it's fucking seafoam green. And I didn't really know if that was seafoam green. I just. Oh, you did No, it looked a lot like seafoam. Like I, I know. From makeup. Yeah. Like. Right. I like colors. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I actually did think you just knew the shade. But then when you were right. I was like, I don't know, you must have like no. read them. Anyway, The Shining is one of my comfort movies. You've watched it silently beside me on planes while I've been watching it on the iPad. I have that stupid fucking annoying habit where I'll just watch like no words, just in silence. I'm just looking at the images and he has his headphones on and he'll offer. He'll like, hey, do you want to listen in? And I'm like, mm -mm. in fairness, I do that too. I watch strangers movies. Yeah, I do that. But anyway. It's like I'm looking through your drawer. <laughs> <laughs> so The Shining is one of my comfort movies. I think I saw it with like our next door neighbor, my next door neighbor growing up as a kid when I was like 12. So it was like the first scary movie that I yeah. ever saw. And then like now, yeah, it's like I have bought it. So it's on my iPad or my computer wherever I go. It's becoming that for me because you watch it so much as well. Yeah, it's just nice. For me, it's nice. Like, I never mm -hmm. found it actually scary. But I even love, like, the soundtrack. But I had to stop listening to the soundtrack when falling asleep because it would wake me up with, like, these really loud, jarring parts. Mm -hmm. Or it would, like, go onto Smart Shuffle and just start playing random horror movie <laughs> fucking soundtracks. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with, like, kids in my fucking ears laughing and shit. Nice. Um, but I do. I love the movie and I love the book. But they are very two very separate entities. Mm 
And it's no secret that Stephen King himself did not like the Stanley Kubrick version of mm. the movie either. He was very vocal about the fact that Kubrick kind of just did his own thing. The Kubrick version was not filmed at the Stanley either. Mm. The exterior the exterior shots were filmed at the Timberline Lodge in Oregon and the rest was shot on a set in London, but was heavily influenced by a bunch of apparently well-known hotels like Americana style hotels mm. of the time. And I have a few random facts about The Shining. So it's pretty cool. Or at least I thought it was. So for anyone who doesn't know, the fa- this is actually just one of my facts. Don't read it. For anyone who doesn't know, the family in the book are called Jack, Wendy and Danny Torrance. And I once heard someone use the term Jack and Danny as a euphemism for vagina and it's forever burned into my brain. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it was a rainy day on a building site in Ireland. Like really, it was actually quite muggy. And yeah. like, even though it was cold, everyone was like wrapped up and sweating. And there was like condensation in all the walls. It was like a shipping container that mm. was converted. So it was gross. Yeah. Anyway. And then the fella, I think he was actually sitting beside me. Like everyone breathing in each other's mouths and all. And this chap pulls out a tuna sandwich. <laughs> the fella sitting across from us like breaks off mid-sentence like he was talking to someone and he just said Jesus the Homer Jack and Danny in here what is that and translated from Dublin to English that means what smells like fish and my life has never been the same since like I think about this at least once a month you would think that's like a euphemism for bollocks because there's two of them yeah no no Jack and Danny Fanny Fanny in oh, it's that UK whole thing. in Ireland. It's is, that whole thing. Yeah, vagina, not. Yeah. Not what are what? the other ones that are rhyme? Like old bean means the queen. Oh, we, like, we actually, we have a video about that. Yeah, that was Cockney slang. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the first fact about the shining hair. It's, not, <laughs> right, not cool. really, it's just Jack and Danny. Okay. Yeah. Lady bits. Yeah. But according to IMDb, the scene where Jack chases his son, Danny, Jack and Danny, through the hedges, took a month to shoot. Partly because crew members kept getting lost and had to use their walkie-talkies for help. That sucks. Yeah, even Kubrick himself got lost in the in the hedge maze. Sorry, I don't think I made that clear. Through the hedge maze, not just the hedges. Uh, but yeah, even Kubrick himself got lost in there at one point, tried to make sure that it wasn't too easy to solve. Huh. Yeah. The maze wasn't even like a real maze. It was made on a soundstage like to be a set and yeah. there was ways through it but even like the quick ways through it for the staff were so freaking hard to find that people uh, just kept getting lost and then awesome yeah and then even at that point when the staff did get lost and start shouting for help and probably panicking and stuff yeah they would just hear stanley kubrick laughing from some <laughs> distant point in the fucking theater so or in twisted. the set yeah no he imagine? sounds like a nightmare can you fucking imagine you're like dying for a piss yeah or like my blood sugars are low i need to get out and all yeah 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 um it's just like fuck it this is a bush right (laughs) (laughs) the kid who played danny uh apparently didn't even know he was in a horror movie (laughs) but also was said to have improvised the whole tony bit Oh, really? With the finger, like, yeah. oh, it's a little man who lives in my mouth. Yeah. That was him doing the finger. Like, I that like was your just... impression. <laughs> yeah. I'm way better than that kid. Um, but yeah, apparently 
Stanley Kubrick saw him doing this and was like, yeah, that's it. That's cool. Uh, Shelley Duvall supposedly started losing her hair due to the stress put on her by Stanley Kubrick and said, quote, I was really in and out of ill health because of the stress, because the stress of that role was so great. Stanley pushed me and prodded me further than I've ever been pushed before. It's the most difficult role I've ever had to play. Yeah, I mean, she did great. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. But Kubrick was such a perfectionist that they actually went through 60 doors over the course of three days before he was satisfied with the famous bathroom scene when Jack Nicholson is knocking down the door with the uh, axe. axe. With an axe. Which was actually made out of styrofoam. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? Kubrick demanded 87 takes of Shelley Duvall, Jack Nicholson and Danny Lloyd just silently walking across the street. Right? Like, that's how much... Weird. Yeah. And finally, in order to take on the seething, incensed demeanor of his character, Jack Torrance, Jack Nicholson prepared himself for the role by only eating cheese sandwiches. What? A food which he hates. What? I mean, what does he For two weeks leading up to the film... And like he's such a nut bar. <laughs> Is it the cheese or the bread that he hates? I'm assuming it's the cheese. Nobody hates bread. Like if it I would have thought the opposite. Everyone no, because then it would have just but... been he hates sandwiches. You know what I mean? Yeah, I <laughs> nobody guess. hates sandwiches. That's absurd. But like, I am aware that I would probably be furious after eating just cheese sandwiches for two week, mm. two weeks. But still, like, as a part of his method acting, like, yeah. it's a bit weird. Hmm. Right. Anyway, so that's our little fun fact over with. We're going to get into a bit of the history, right? So twin brothers Freeland Oscar and Francis Edgar Stanley were born in Kingfield, Maine on June 1st, 1849. The family were of Scottish descent. And although not particularly wealthy, they were all very well educated. Their, their parents were really strict on education. At age nine, the twins began their first of many business ventures, refining and selling maple sugar. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, they used their profits to buy material for school uniforms and a maths exercise book. Because they're awesome. nerds. <laughs> At age 11, their great uncle, Liberty, taught them how to make violins, an art which Freeland would go on to master throughout his life. The two went to college, but Francis dropped out to pursue a career as a portrait artist. And Freeland graduated and became a principal of a high school in Mechanic Falls, Maine. A delightful life, but also so similar to H.H. H. Holmes. Mm. right? And I, I re actually reached out a few weeks ago because I was like, I'm almost sure that H.H. H. Holmes randomly like went back to New England and just became a school teacher or, a sc or a principal of a school. Mm. Or maybe he did that before he went to Chicago. But yeah, it was driving me mad, though, because I couldn't find out. Anyway, while Freeland was headmastering, he fell in love with one of the teachers, Flora Jane Record Tillis Flora Jane, whom he married in 1876. In 1881, Freeland contracted tuberculosis, which his 27 year old brother died of. Freeland gave up teaching believing a more active lifestyle was needed to beat the consumption and started up a business which literally burned down the following year. Yeah, it just like caught fire and that was the end of that. So after his business burned down, he joined his brother in a dry plate photography equipment venture 
which was quite successful and pushed the Stanley brothers up the social ladder, buying nice houses in a swanky part of Massachusetts. By now it was 1896 and bicycles were all the rage. Nice. Yeah. Trending. Absolutely. Francis had gotten his wife, Gusty, out on one one day and she fell off, vowing to never ride a bicycle ever again. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like a bit much. I know. Sounds like you. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that. Guess we can never leave the house again. <laughs> anyway, Francis told her, never you mind, Gusty. I will build something so that we can ride together in safety and comfort. When I do that again, when I throw a tantrum like that, you just call me Gusty. Yeah. <laughs> like, simmer down, Gusty. Come on, Gusty. Back on your bike. <laughs> but yeah, Francis told her, never you mind, Gusty. I will build something so that we can ride together in safety and comfort. And with that, he started building the very first ever Stanley steam powered motor carriage. So in 1899, they sold their automobile company for a handsome $250,000, mm. uh, which is somewhere around eight and a half million today. God damn. Yeah, but even then, like, I don't think that really rings true because like what they got for that 250000 mm. is way more than you'd get for eight and a half million today. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, Back when things cost a dime yeah. and a nickel. Uh, but like they didn't even expect to get that much money. Yeah. It was some like huge uh, like magazine owner or something like that. Uh -huh. They were like, fuck it, let's just see how much we can push this. And then yeah. eventually he was like, right, here's 250. And they were like, fucking, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and they stayed on working with the company as well, mm -hmm. like for a long time. Security. Yeah. So in August of 1899, Freeland and Flora became the first motorists to reach the top of Mount Washington, the highest peak in New England. And in 1906, after reopening the Stanley Motor Carriage Company, the twins built a specially designed rocket racer, mm. which, driven by Fred Marriott, broke the land speed record of the time by hitting a whopping 127.66 miles per hour. Whoa, hold on to your panties. I thought that was really cool because it's a steam-powered car and there's yeah. all sorts of conspiracies as to why, uh, like, big oil squashed or quashed the steam-powered and electric cars hmm. of the day. Like, apparently, yeah, now this might be wrong, but apparently there were, like, battery-style powered cars. Back then. Back then, yeah. Oh, wow. But, uh, oh, look, I'm not getting into it. There's all sorts <laughs> of the Rothschilds people uh, bringing, like, petroleum-based medicines mm -hmm. around the same time. Uh-huh. And, like, pushing out the old ways. Interesting. And, like, yeah. And I work with a conspiracy guy. <laughs> I'm uh, so yes. sick of hearing this Uncle shit. Uncle Carl. Uncle Carl, yeah. Um, But I do actually remember, like, my granny... Always saying like, you know, there used to be this one chemist out in town and like if you had a cough or if you had this, you would go out there and they would like mix the fucking potion nice. in front of you. And it would, it was like everybody went there. There'd be queues around the corner. That's awesome. But then like these bigger corporations like push that stuff out. Yeah. Big pharma. Big pharma, literally. And big petrol. Mm. was all linked. Big oil, yeah. So anyway, this steam powered car was fantastic. That's what was in the lobby of the hotel. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was a steam powered car. Okay, cool. Anyway, before they broke the land speed record, in 1903, 
Freeland's consumption made a very unwelcome comeback. This time it was life-threatening. And at this time, like in the 1900s, the most common course of action for a lunger, like Freeland, was to escape to the fresh mountain air. Now, I went way too deep here trying to learn the history and then realize it's probably only interesting to me, like personally. So I'm going to summarize a lot here uh, rather than getting off track. But Freeland went to Denver where a tuberculosis specialist advised him to spend some time in a house, not a hotel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, this is better for your health. Um, But he had apparently just been given like six months to live. So I think the doctor was like, just get comfortable. Yeah. And wait out your days. But by June of 1904, which is, I think, nine months after the resurgence of the consumption, Mm -hmm. Freeland was still feeling shitty, but he was still alive. Mm -hmm. And so he decided to get out of Denver itself Mm -hmm. and go to Estes Park was recommended by the doctor. Uh And I actually think I also read that the doctor gave him his summer house. Yeah. Again, thinking that like uh, it's not not going to last. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So he sent his wife on the train and then set out himself in one of the Stanley Steam cars. Nice. Stanley Steamer. Yeah. It sounds gross. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so he drove from Denver to Estes Park, the same drive that we did. Only he did 120 years ago in a self-built steam-powered car. Nice. We had a four-wheel drive (laughs) forerunner. And I was still like, yeah, gas. And I was still like struggling. I felt like coming up and around those things. And we had Google Maps. Yeah, we did. We sure did. Freeland didn't. And he got lost. And he spent the night in Boulder, but eventually made it up to Estes Park. And here he fell in love with the mountains and everything about the whole area. They ended up building a house and eventually bought land to build the Stanley Hotel. And apparently they only built it because they had so many guests visiting them. Like that's one of the kind of urban legends. It's like, we cannot continue to host people here. We're going to need to build a guest house. Yeah. Which turned into this grand... Like a holiday stra- home. Yeah, mm-hmm. this extravagant fucking hotel. Mm-hmm. And like, here's actually where I got a little bit sidetracked because the person he paid for the land didn't actually own it. Oh. Yeah. Swindler. Oh, absolutely. From Ireland, no less. Oh, no. Yeah. But Sorry he, about that. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a unionist, which meant like... I'm pretty sure, like, he was loyal to the Queen and stuff like that. So he was British-Irish. Oh, okay. Uh, You're forgiven. Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah. So it was like the Earl of Dunraven. You're not related. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Uh, Or Lord Dunraven. So he ended up in Estes sometime in the late 1800s and just decided, oh, cool, this is mine now. (laughs) But it wasn't. Yeah, that's not how it works. Yeah, and all of the other, like, settlers who also like happened upon this pretty bare stretch of land Mm -hmm. were like, I'm not fucking paying you money. I just showed up here. Yeah. You just showed up here. Yeah. Get fucked. And this went on for years and years. And there's like reports of Lord Dunraven writing, saying like, I'm having a really difficult time collecting taxes. And then eventually he left of his own accord. Yeah. But he, I also read that he was run out of the place. Yeah. uh, By the other settlers. But then years later, Freeland Stanley paid him like a handsome sum for weird for the Stanley grounds. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so it was all quite confusing and took me hours of going, 
why am I reading fucking what's it like parliamentary law from the <laughs> 1800s? You got like, to a point where you're just like, what am I doing? Yeah, no wonder it's <laughs> taking me a month to get this fucking out. So anyway, the Stanley was built and Freeland and his wife became staples in the Estes Park community. I think they really were the community. Mm. Freeland was quite the philanthropist and as well as donating his own money, he raised funds for road paving, school buildings and all sorts. Like he is the reason why Estes Park even had electricity. His wife did the same thing too. Yeah, like they, they were both like, yeah, had all this fucking money mm-hmm. and I don't think they had kids. Mm. I'm pretty sure they didn't actually. Mm. So I'm sure they saw the kids who came to the hotel as being like their kids, like yeah, yeah, to yeah. some extent. Um, but yeah, anyway, Freeland actually had his very own hydro station built to power the hotel. Mm-hmm. The doors to the Stanley opened in 1909, and oh, and he also uh, piped water to the whole of Estes Park. Oh. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, the doors to the Stanley opened in 1909 and it was a fantastic sight to behold, being one of the first electrified hotels west of the Mississippi. I actually had to look on a map because I didn't realize how far west we were. Mm -hmm. That's the furthest west I've ever gone. Oh. Yeah, and you too, I guess. Yeah. Um, It was this electricity, though, that led to an unfortunate incident in 1911. The hotel's power was out due to a storm, and so the hotel staff were charged with going from room to room to light up gas lamps, like Mm -hmm. old school gas lamps, and then they would just leave them in there. Gas today, this is another tangent, gas today has a pungent smell which is artificially added. Yes, otherwise it's odorless. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They've been doing this since as far back as 1880 in Germany, but there was no enforcement in the States at least until 1937, when a cheap school superintendent opted to save on his gas bill. This would end up leading to what is today considered to be the third most, the third deadliest disaster in the history of which state? Texas. Texas. The first being the 1900 Galveston hurricane. Oh, you need to cover that. We will, we will. The second being the 1947 Texas City disaster. Both of which we will end up covering maybe in the same episode. But this incident, the third deadliest incident, took place in New London, Texas, about three hours from here near Shreveport, right? So East Texas. Not that anybody fucking cares. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of these booming oil towns. So like it got a lot of money really fast Mm -hmm. and they had to build to keep up with the growing uh, population. population. So the school was a million dollar modern marvel built in 1932. In 1937, though, the school board decided to cut costs and they dropped their contract with the United Gas Company and instead paid random plumbers, by the sounds of things, to tap into a local residue gas line. If you've never been to Texas before. dangerous. Yeah, because it was. If you've never been to Texas before, you might not know this, but wherever there's oil, They have to burn off the natural gas residue. Now, I only knew this because like you'll be driving down the highway in the kind of countryside, like say even between here and Austin, and you'll just, it's like all lovely cows, lovely, like interesting kind of deserty trees and stuff. And then like a six foot flame shooting out of the fucking pipe in the middle of a field. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. So 
I remember Googling this because it was like, this seems really wasteful yeah. and bad for the environment. But apparently it's the most efficient way to get rid of this uh, gas buildup that otherwise would cause like a huge explosion. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it's for safety. Yeah. Okay. For safety. But anyway, these guys, these cheap plumbers decided, let's just tap into that pipe because it's just waste anyway. They're just going to burn it off in a field nearby. So we'll just tap into it before it gets burnt off. And then that'll be the school's gas supply. Okay. Okay. Cheap gas for the whole school. Everybody's happy. What they didn't know was that the new gas line had a leak that filled the crawl space, which ran the entire length of the school. So it was literally just lying there dormant and waiting. Then at 3.17 on March 18th, a shop teacher in the school turned on an electric sander, which is believed to have caused the explosion, which according to witnesses caused the walls of the school to bulge out before the roof lifted off and then crashed back down, collapsing the main wing of the whole school. Holy shit. Yeah. That sounds like a fucking cartoon. Literally. So, I, and my next note is like, if anybody has actually read the movie It, or I suppose watched the new movies. Read the movie It read the book it. <laughs> <laughs> or watch the new movies where it kind of dives into the history of Derry mm -hmm. where it is set yeah like this actually sounds like a Pennywise induced nightmare uh, from yeah, Derry doesn't yeah. it so ultimately there were around 295 huh. people killed that God, day damn. yeah like almost either instantly in the explosion or around there or in the rubble, basically. Oh. Most of those killed were students from grades 5 through 11. Damn. Now, I don't know how old that is. Do you? 10 years old? So 10 to 16 or thereabouts? Uh, 10 to 17. Okay. And as awful as it sounds, it could have actually been a lot worse. But the younger classes had been sent home early. So the, um, there was some like scholastic event the next day or like a, a meetup or something mm -hmm. with other schools. So thankfully, the school wasn't as populated as it normally would have been. But there were still 295 dead. W.C. Shaw, the superintendent who signed off on this gas deal, lost his son, a niece and a nephew. But in true Texas fashion, he was actually almost lynched for his part in the disaster. Damn. Yeah. Now, it said he stepped down. Mm -hmm. But I think he actually ran out of town. Yeah. Because he was right. almost lynched. Yeah, yeah. And today there is a museum and a monument in New London, which houses a telegram from none other than Adolf Hitler himself. What the fuck? Expressing his sympathies, his condolences. He has those? I mean, he wasn't Hitler then. It was 1937, so he was only Hitler. Ah, uh, interesting. You know, he was like... The angry art school dropout. He, well, I mean, he was the leader of Nazi Germany, but... World War II hadn't happened. Anyway, this led to the odorization of natural gas in 1937, but that didn't help the Stanley when they lost power on June 25th, 1911. Which is what the episode's about. That Yeah, we're back to the Stanley. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, okay. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Chambermaid Elizabeth Wilson was going from room to room lighting gas lamps when she got to the room that is today the notorious 217. At that time, it was the presidential suite and was comprised of 217, 215. And according to one tour guide, some other third room that I can't remember. I'm assuming 216. Unbeknownst to Elizabeth or anyone else, there was actually a gas leak in the room. 
And so when she opened the, the door wielding a lit candle, there was an Ooh. instant explosion. Now, the best account I could find of this was on uh, eptrails.com or estesparktrails.com from an interview with the Stanley archivist, Jesse Freitas or Freitas. The explosion sent Elizabeth through the floor into the McGregor dining room directly below where the prom was that night. Yeah. And destroyed the entire west wing of the of the hotel. But miraculously, Elizabeth survived with just two broken ankles. Damn. Yeah. Freeland Stanley paid for her medical bills. And when Elizabeth eventually returned to work, they promoted her to head chambermaid. And she worked at the hotel until she died sometime in the 1950s. Dang. She lived in a nearby cottage. So I think she would just walk back and forth regardless of the, the weather, right? And she was found dead in her house one afternoon after she had shown up for work that morning and seemingly disappeared after a few hours. The weirdest thing, though, was that when the doctor examined her body, he said that she had died the night before. Bum, bum, bum. Who was phone? Who was phone? <laughs> <laughs> so... Elizabeth seems to be the first ghost of the Stanley. Showing up for work even after she woke up dead. But she didn't stop there. She seems to stay active at the hotel, putting people's clothes away, turning on and off lights, specifically in room 217, I think. Mm -hmm. And even helping some people get ready to leave, especially unmarried couples who spend the night. Dun, She's dun, old dun. school, okay? I think she was like 90 <laughs> when she died in the 50s. Damn. So these people are sinners and should be punished. <laughs> should be asked to leave. Yeah. Uh, other people have reported, like other unmarried couples have reported, um, like feeling somebody wedged between them in the bed. <laughs> and, like a cold spot and stuff like that. I don't know how true this is. That's funny. But uh, yeah, blocker from beyond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, this is this activity is specific to room two seventeen. But there's general poltergeist activity reported like throughout the entire hotel and its grounds. Now I'm not going to ruin the tour that they did that we did there either, um, because the stuff was copyrighted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, to be honest. They actually didn't even touch on half the ghost stories that I had already heard. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, I don't even have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like I said, I'm not going to ruin the tour. Like, definitely do it if you go there. Because oh, it's absolutely. fun and you get to see parts of the hotel that, like, otherwise you're not ever going to yeah, see. Yeah, for sure. Um, We did the Stanley or the, the Shining Tour and the Ghost Tour. Yeah. The Shining Tour was arguably Superior. a lot better. Yeah. Superior. It was jam-packed with information and ghosty stuff as well yeah other common experiences include hearing flora stanley playing piano in the concert hall at all hours the concert hall was actually built specifically for her as like a gift from freeland Mm. with uh i think a grand piano at the time oh yeah and also her and freeland have been supposedly seen holding hands on the staircase in the hotel lobby just watching over the commotion which is lovely like yeah yeah yeah. like all of the reports that I've heard, like ghostly or otherwise, these two people seem to just be absolutely lovely. Like mm-hmm. Now, the floor that seems to be the most active is actually the fourth floor, which is, I guess, where we'll stay when we go back. Yes. It was once used to house children. <laughs> As <laughs> like in, they'd literally just throw the kids up there and be like, go nuts, kids. <laughs> yeah. So like these rich people would like 
there was nannies rooms and kids rooms up there. Mm-hmm. So like guests today report hearing children just running around playing, giggling and apparently closet doors on that floor just open and close of their own accord. Like there's little kids playing hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And in room 428, the ghost of a cowboy is said to show up just sitting at the corner of the bed. Oh. Yeah, full cowboy garb, full on apparition, who most people think was a dude called Rocky Mountain Jim Nugent. <laughs> yeah. So all Rocky Mountain Jim mostly appears to the ladies, you know, Cause, because because ladies, because ladies and has even given some a spectral kiss. And it's kind of pushy. <laughs> but the, the most terrifying thing is some people have actually reported like waking up to him leaning over to Whoa, kiss them on the forehead. Terrifying. Like, you, you know what I mean? Um, I'm starting to think this might just be a member of staff in costume. Oh, being like, shit. Hey there, name's Colorado or Mountain Rocky Mountain Jim. <laughs> Want to see my Rocky Mountain oysters? Yeah. And like, I'm Gross. sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's ladies out there that don't argue. I don't know that I would argue. Hey, we're not going to... I haven't seen Rocky Mountain GM. What, I'm not going to judge you guys. We're not going to... Yuck your yum. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think that maybe we should get cameras on room 428 mm. and make sure that it's not just a member of staff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Connor Randall, though. You may know him from Hellier, Haunted Objects, or maybe even a little show called Ghost Adventures. Yes. Did I pay $2 to buy the Ghost Adventures episode of The Stanley just to see young bleach-haired Connor Randall? No. <laughs> I definitely did. Did I learn anything from this? Not at all. Like, literally nothing. I just wanted to watch him because I remember watching Hellier for the first time and going, I fucking know this dude from somewhere. <laughs> And I guess we had just been watching Ghost Adventures, so I was like able to like put two and two together. His interview was so short and it was just at the start. I was like, mm. what a waste of time. Yeah, because he had been working there for a while. Yeah, he's been he had been working there from like when he was 16 or something. Yeah. So like the perfect person to interview. Yeah, but they only interviewed him about his uh, like heart surgeries, which is a big deal. But it was nothing to do with the ghosts of the thing. Anyway. Connor has a special relationship with this hotel because as a child, he did undergo two heart transplants. And to celebrate his recovery, his family brought him to the Stanley for the weekend uh, every year on the anniversary of one of his... That's nice. Yeah, heart surgeries. He had grown up in Denver. And I'm kind of going off what I've like learned about him throughout the years now because I've heard him on various podcasts, TV shows like hellier haunted objects so i've learned about him in snippets and i couldn't go and like trace everything back so i'm kind of winging it here but anyway he grew up in denver or the surrounding area it was either through the hospital itself or like the heart foundation or something it was like some charitable organization he ended up at the stanley hotel in the concert hall when he was like a very young child and he actually witnessed the door latch like completely lock itself on mm. its own like cool. nobody was near the door and it just went and i think that was his first paranormal experience which then like ruined his life you know what i mean and now he is where he is today um but then when he was recovering from one of his heart surgeries he started watching ghost hunters on tv and i think that's when he saw an episode about the stanley so it just like drilled home mm. 
And like I said, lucky enough, it was a couple of hours away. So he had the opportunity to go and explore, experience and explore the place for himself. He went on to get a job there as the resident ghost hunter. Nice. Yeah, and concierge. I oh, think cool. like late night concierge or something. At the Stanley, because up until 2016, they not only did tours, but actual public investigations. Cool. Yeah, these were like five hour investigations. Whoa. Yeah, every weekend, Friday and Saturday night. The hotel changed hands, I think, and the new owners canned it, as far as I know. Mm. The guys didn't actually get that much of a notice, and they never got an official reason. Whoa. They were just told, like, as of this date in 2016, we are no longer performing these investigations. Yeah. But it had gone on since, like, this might be wrong, but I'm almost sure, like, 2009. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, it was sad, even from an outsider's perspective, because ghosts 100% saved this hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, this hotel would have gone to the dogs 40 years before mm-hmm. if Stephen King hadn't written Shown The up. Shining. Yeah. If... Jim Carrey hadn't gotten spooked and run out of the place, which True. I don't think we even mentioned yet. Oh. Uh, no, I think I forgot. No, the, no, no, we haven't even. No. Yeah, so Jim Carrey, when he was, because they filmed Dumb and Dumber here, Jim Carrey was like, let me spend the night in 217 where Stephen King did and like mm-hmm. ran out in his underwear, apparently. Yeah, like within never hours. went back. Yeah. yeah. And has never told anybody what's Refuses happened. Refuses to talk about it. But like, if it wasn't for these rumors and stories... The hotel, which closed every winter up until 1986, yep, like had passed through so many hands. Like Freeland Stanley himself bought it back off people oh. just to keep it going. Oh, yeah, for like years, and then all of a sudden they were like, "Yeah, you know what? Fuck this whole ghost thing. We're gonna back off." And I did think it was interesting because, like, I was standing outside. You were chilling on the porch of the the, the lodge. lodge. Mm-hmm. And I was just rambling around, seeing if I could get any like nice pictures or whatever. And I actually heard like an older group. And one of the ladies was like, what's going on? And the dude was like, oh, I don't know. Apparently it's like haunted or something. There's like tours where they go around telling ghost stories or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, how did you end up here if that's like if you didn't come here for the ghost? Mm. Well, I mean? uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because while I was sitting on the porch at the lodge, um, a family came up just to look at the hotel and just just, just like, check it out, like just to check it out because it's like there's a lot of people walking outside. Like you know, usually in hotels, there's no people walking outside or congregating outside. Yeah, that's true. So they drove up and like they've heard of the Stanley Hotel, but they didn't. They don't know the what it entails. Right. So like they showed up and they're like, yeah, no, we're just coming in here um, visiting our son. He lives in the area and we just wanted to come up here and see what every, what was going on because we saw a lot of people up here. Oh, okay. And, you know, people literally just stumble upon it. Yeah, yeah. Or they're just like, oh, Stanley, I've heard of it. And they'll just Let's drive by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. So that's how they end up here. Fair enough. There. And it is like a really high class hotel, I would say. It's only got like three stars. Yeah, it's Which I think that's is wrong. weird. Yeah. Um because even like the food, everything was like the food very was very high quality. Phenomenal. We're going off on a tangent here. While Connor was the <laughs> resident ghost nerd, he had a whole pile of like really cool experiences, some of which were documented in the series Spirits of the Stanley. This was, I think, just a web series, but it's really well done. I think it's Carl Pfeiffer's first 
project as a producer editor Carl Pfeiffer who then went on to do the unbinding and hellier like season one and two um it's available on the dark zone network's youtube channel or carl pfeiffer's personal youtube channel he has like a a playlist Mm. so it's all there in order it's really cool it's really fun it's like old school ghost hunter tv show you know what i mean from 2016 which was almost 10 years ago which is terrifying so connor is joined by carl pfeiffer um, Michelle and the camera operator whose name I unfortunately didn't get but it was here that they began to develop what is now the legendary Estes method this is a method of combining a common SB7 spirit box and sensory deprivation using not just noise cancelling headphones but noise isolating headphones mm. that's what Carl Pfeiffer himself said is the big difference here mm. <laughs> um, and this is like what drummers would use Connor Randall is a drummer, hence why they had these headphones like mm. just lying around. So we did do a little experiment here like a few weeks back or like two months ago now. Yeah. Manelli was here. I'll have that video ready probably a couple of days after this comes out. It was fun. I don't know that we got anything serious from it, no. but it was still like a fun little experiment. It's kind of compelling, yeah. But these guys would do their public investigations and then follow up on their own with like private investigations later on, like even like just after the public ones had finished, they'd be like, all right, cool. Now let's go and check out mostly in the concert hall. And then they would try to get like, try to expand on some of the answers and evidence that they would have gotten earlier on. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's thanks to these guys that we know about Lucy. And Lucy was a spirit who would show up quite often in their sessions and they got to know her quite well. She even seemed to have a little crush on Carl. Ah. Yeah. And when the spirits of the Stanley, this isn't a spoiler because it's been out for like seven years or something. No, we don't want to get sued. <laughs> no, no, no. But this is all spirits of the Stanley stuff. But like when the investigations ended, Carl actually said, told Lucy, if you want to come home with me, like now's your chance. I'm opening the door. Feel free to come really? with me. Yeah. Like that's. The level of the relationship that they had with all of the, like it wasn't just her, it was her specifically because she was like a 12 or 13 year old girl. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was other like funny spirits, Mm -hmm. like this dude, Eddie, who would show up at the beginning. He would just show up with this obnoxious B.O. smell. Mm. And then over time, this like gradually changed into a whole personality Mm -hmm. that ended up showing up in Hellier. And now like anytime they're doing like experiments, they'll get... uh, like a spirit might come through and just call Carl a jerk. And they'd be like, is that Eddie from the Stanley? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But. That's neat. Yeah. Lucy specifically, though, was a homeless girl. And sometime in the 70s, she was sheltering in the concert hall until she was discovered one night and got kicked out. Sadly, she died of exposure because it's the Rocky Mountains. And presumably this happened in the wintertime. I can call that there, y'all. Yeah. But upon investigation, however, there was no record to be found whatsoever of anyone being found dead of exposure or any other trace of this young girl. Now, the hotel used to close down every winter, like we said, until 1983. But I guess that doesn't really mean anything because if the hotel is not being lived in for the season, it surely would have been easier for somebody to seek shelter there. Yeah. But then why would they have kicked her out? I don't know. Anyway, there was no evidence of her. And 
the team of the Spirits and the Stanley and the hotel are saying like, we have this story, but we can't prove it. This mm-hmm. is just information that we've gotten from like EVPs and spirit box sessions and stuff like that. But I found this really cool picture accompanying an article, um, which was just a collection of people's scary experiences at the hotel. And I'm just going to quote the story, honestly. It's from thoughtcatalog.com, right? I'll show you the picture now in a second. We were told to take lots of pictures. I'm sure to try and capture orbs or ghosts. Many green orbs were caught in pictures. But I don't think anything is as creepy as this photo taken by my co-worker, a little girl in a hot pink dress, who was definitely not on our tour. And apparently years ago, a young girl, aged 12 to 13, by the name of Lucy, was squatting in the basement of the concert hall, which is where the photo was taken, and she was discovered upon plans to begin some construction. She was forced to leave. The night got below freezing and she froze to death. Everyone on my tour has vouched that this little girl was not on our tour. Who wouldn't remember someone wearing that hot pink? The man pictured is our tour guide. No one would have been in front of him. I am convinced this is the ghost of Lucy. Just one more added note, though I doubt if anyone would believe me, but there was only one time throughout the tour where I felt any strange energy or feeling, and it was right here, heading down to the basement of the concert hall. And then picture is saved on desktop because I saved the picture on my desktop. (laughs) Like it literally says on his script, picture saved on desktop. I forget. I am Ron Burgundy? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, right. So this is, I was confused by this, so the table is here. Stairs going down. This honestly could be Carl Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this person right here. Wow. So that it looks it, like they're wearing like a little beanie, like a woolly hat. I don't see that, but I'm thinking like even like a shell jacket rather than a pink dress. Yeah. Which maybe would have been more appropriate for mm-hmm. the time. And the fact that she, she was apparently like a homeless girl. Um. Wow. But yeah, I thought that was actually like... A compelling photograph. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever seeing a picture with color. Definitely not pink. Yeah, right. Like everything yeah. about it is kind of nuts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Also, for the record, Connor Randall said in his interview with Jim Perry for uh, the Euphemet podcast. Check if you haven't listened to Euphemet. It's High Strangers at its best. Mm. It's very, very good. Check them out. But yeah, his episode was, I think, like the sixth episode out of like 50 something. And he told Jim Perry that room 407 is the only room in the entire hotel that he would be worried about spending the night alone in. Really? Yeah. He has witnessed the bathroom door slamming shut incredibly hard. The main door also locking itself from the inside and all this kind of crap. Yeah, yeah. And then I found other accounts from this room saying that Lord Dunraven himself has been seen in here. I don't think that's no. got any standing because Dunraven was run off the land before the Stanley was even a thought. Like, had, yeah. you know what I mean? But that's not to say that it's not just some other man from the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in period garb or whatever. Creepier still, though, people have reported seeing a face in the window when the room is known to be vacant. Oof. Yeah. Now that kind of that genuinely freaks me out. Like, um. People seem to have all kinds of experiences throughout the hotel, though. Like, I also read one brief account of a couple who were standing outside in the snow, looking down at the bar, where I actually took a picture of, uh, it was like a a little water feature Mm -hmm. or whatever, and there's like an outdoor bar. 
and they heard a breathy voice whisper something clear but wordless like right in their ear mm. as they stood there outside in the elements. I thought mm. like that was really interesting because it just shows that it's the entire campus. Yeah, yeah. Like not just individual buildings. Uh, the ice house, which was literally used to house ice back in the day, apparently has a couple of ghosts and today literally has a frozen dead guy in there who they affectionately refer to as... Frozen dead guy. The frozen dead guy. <laughs> um, there is the ghost of a dog and a fluffy white cat. And then there is also the tunnels beneath the hotel, which are honestly creepy as fuck. They are, especially like seeing the pictures that our tour guide showed us yeah. of ghosts in the fucking tunnels <laughs> underground. I Terrifying. genuinely think I had, I'm not like, I have written down that it was a psychic type experience. Yeah. Because it's the weirdest paranormal experience I think I've ever had. Mm. And it was when we like, so... This is just like the main reason why I would recommend getting the ghost tour, honestly, is that when you go down into these tunnels, he turns the lights off. Yeah. And you just have to walk down by the light of his phone or his flashlight yeah. or whatever. And it's not like it's it's not paved floor and like, you know, walls. It's, you're literally underground surrounded by rock. Yes. Yeah, so the hotel limestone. was built off of the bedrock of which actually so was our hotel that we stayed in. Uh, was just built off the side of the mountain and they're yeah. off the walls bare mm -hmm. which is really cool but as we were walking down and his light shone around and oh shit there's the rocks from the from the from the mountain uh -huh. I pictured like a little girl like cowering back behind the rocks as if to be like oh shit they're coming and she had big hair and I was like oh that's definitely just me freaking myself out because there's rocks and it's dark so I stood there because I was freaked out. I was like, fuck it, I was just going to stand here. And like nothing weird happened until he showed the picture. And it was literally what I had fucking seen <laughs> in my mind. And I was like, I did get goosebumps then because I was like, no, that that is way too on the fucking nose. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Her hair wasn't quite as like big and bushy as I pictured, but everything else was like spot on, spot on. And I was like, that's fucked. Yeah. Um. It's funny because like, like as we were slowly in there and as he was telling stories, I felt more on edge. Right. Naturally, because these were scary fucking yeah, stories. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, like the, the scariness feels like tangible. Like I, I, I don't scare like since I've gotten older, like I feel like and because I'm starting to understand these paranormal things. Yeah. Like my opinion is starting to change. I, I don't get too scared so like i was like you know like just chilled out but i couldn't help but like feel like the air changing like i could feel that people were getting scared it was you like know? getting thicker like yeah and then he said oh this is like limestone and i'm like oh my god so this is just exacerbating like, the situation here. right right you know what i mean like it's just putting everyone on edge yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean and it, and at that point like it like right before he mentioned the limestone it really put me on edge because i thought i saw something i remember you saying that yeah and it scared the fuck like i went from <laughs> calm and then thinking i saw something to my heart like i felt my heart in my throat i was so scared and we had been like separated at this yeah. point so you were standing way down the edge and i was standing at that rock where i thought i imagined yeah. a little girl um but yeah, no, I think like from start to finish that the entire 
four days that we were there was just mental. Yeah. I. You know what? Um, in the beginning of the episode, I was saying like, it kind of felt like I was there, but I wasn't. Yeah. I think it was because we did so much and we didn't have a lot of time to just stay still. Yeah. And really yeah. soak in the place. We were just enjoying like the influx of information and experiencing and stuff. And, but like we didn't have, I felt like I didn't have enough time to like savor the experience. It's like, here's all these sensories yeah. overloads. You okay, know? now we have to go here. Now we have to go there. Now yeah, we have to, yeah. So yeah. like I already am like a slow thinker <laughs> <laughs> and I digest things very slowly. So I think. For me to just fully appreciate my time there is to just take it slow next time. Yeah. I think you're probably better off going on your own because I have a terrible habit of <laughs> fucking block booking our trips. <laughs> um, and then we went back to Denver for a day, which if you do watch that video, like you'll see what we were like actually really fucking sick. Yeah. Um, Between just like the cold mountain air being a shock to the system i think being up at like a higher yeah. altitude didn't help no and then like screaming and shouting at the concert the night before yeah. because of course we knew all of the words and yeah. it's a folk thing so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it, it, but it's the a, thing is like well i mean you i didn't know i was sick until, oh i did i until, felt sick before we left so i was like i didn't know i was sick until we landed back home and i'm like i think i'm sick and i think i've been sick this entire <laughs> time <laughs> yeah like i literally remember going like oh this feels crap but i'm here so i have to enjoy it <laughs> you know? yeah and i'm glad i did because if i was at home going to work i would have called out sick probably all those four days yeah but anyway then to round it all out the last day we went to go and see meow wolf uh the meow wolf exhibit thing in denver and i can't recommend it highly enough yeah honestly it was this really cool uh this, well, like interactive art this display. huge art installation thing yeah. like i don't like it's so every Meow Wolf is supposed to be different. And this one was supposed to be like you're at a train station or, or something like that. You're at a station that takes you to different oh, areas, dimensions. different dimensions, alien dimensions. And it's really fucking cool. Yeah. Everything is interactive. Like you can touch everything. It's really Except for the cool. fire extinguisher boxes. Don't open that. <laughs> the alarm goes off. <laughs> um, but it's really fucking cool. Like it was amazing. I'm so glad we got to go. Um, but... It's crazy how like Estes Park and Denver are only an hour and away, an hour away, and it, they feel worlds apart. Like yeah. they feel so different. They look so different. Also, like, and this is probably a very touristy thing to say, but the people that we encountered on our trip were all so lovely and yeah. obliging and friendly. Like you know what I mean. Anyway, oh, also what I completely left out was that like Freeland Stanley didn't die until he was like 93 sick he like just overcame his tuberculosis he was like nah fuck all that he was like fuck you tb yeah he ended up like climbing mountains and all nice in uh denver or in estes park i have a really long list of sources so bear with me for, for a it. second uh ebtrail.com britannica.com goodhousekeeping.com mentalfloss smithsonianmag.com legendsofamerica.com westward.com gasodorizer.com nightlyspirits.com euphemet podcast spirits of the stanley and um, I think that's it. Everything else I mentioned in the thing. Uh, definitely listen to Euphemet podcast. And if you like ghost TV shows, which I'm sure you do, 
check out Spirits of the Stanley. It's a ghost hunters, ghost adventures type show without all of the dramatics. There's some dramatics, but it's like very amateur, very cool, very well done. Um, And there was something that I'm forgetting, but I don't know now. Don't forget to check out 16% Nation for your bitching little cryptids. No, this is my face. Cryptids to cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> Use our code uh, free creep and make sure to click the link in the description of the episode or video or whatever you watch this. If you want to watch our other video of the Stanley or of our trip to Estes Park, uh, it's on our YouTube channel, Adam and Dulce. If you can't find it, just message me. I'll give it to you. If you end up buying a cryptid, let us know which one you buy and what you think of it. Yeah, we'd when actually we love to see. Yeah. And we're limited on space. Yeah. So, uh, but also check out the t-shirts that they have because I'm super impressed with the one that I, ha I have. And I will be getting more. Love you all. Have bye. a great weekend or year or whatever. And yeah, bye. <laughs>